Hello, welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's listeners, Evan Sider, and joined by my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at Sider. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Also, make sure for our Locked On Suns crew page, if you aren't already, at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporter is very much appreciated. We're actually joining you before the final buzzer today, because it was that kind of game for the Suns. Kind of expected, to be honest. But um, one it's currently 108-83 to 83 with a minute 32 to go in the fourth quarter. We'll update you as the final score is official. But, Brennan, another blowout loss for the Phoenix Suns today. They were down by I, – I forget the first quarter score. I think it was 34-9, to nine, the exact same. Correct, quarter. yeah. Almost the exact same as Tuesday's game. So, what's it say just about this team? Back-to-back games come out flat. I don't want to say they're tuning out the coach, but this stretch of games here is just looking really, really grim. And, they play tomorrow, and they have to come right back tomorrow night in less than 24 hours, have a long flight back from Portland to Phoenix, and then play the Heat tomorrow. So just looking t- for this game alone, what was your thoughts of tonight's game? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything to say about the coaching. I know that's the, the thing to do when bad stuff like this happens. I mean, obviously, he's frustrated and, and not getting the most out of the team right now and, and all that stuff. But other than that, I mean, I, I have no idea. I just know that this is about the worst two game stretch. I remember over the past two seasons for sure. And um, we, we saw a lot of bad ones last year. We saw a lot of ugly games. We saw a lot of um, poor performances from individual players. And, and even knowing all that, this is about as bad as I can remember over the past two games Um, to put it in perspective with the first quarter woes specifically ESPN stats and info tweeted out that this is the first team, basically the first NBA team ever to go back to back games with fewer than 10 points scored in the first quarter. Um, So historically bad. Um, Add that to the list of things that the Suns have uh, done historically badly the past two years so yeah not a lot of positives so we are going to recap this one same way we did uh, Tuesday night with just three guys the good and bad of, of three individual players that kind of encapsulated this game um, just would have been impossible to come up with free throws for this one I think oh that that's for sure and I think it's kind of sad to say back-to-back games we had to do this because it's just been those type of performance for the Phoenix Suns. But surprisingly, it's going to be three guys off the bench we're going to focus on today. And the first guy is technically a starter, but it seemed like they were trying to cover it up as an illness, Brendan. But DeAndre Aiden's going to play near 30 minutes tonight. He usually does. Rashawn holds 20 minutes. It seems like this is sort of a message from Igor Koshkov after Aiden came out and said he kind of gave up over the first quarter on Tuesday. And then Igor said post-game on Tuesday that – Aiden didn't come to play. So I know they're going to say it's an illness and that Aiden didn't want to start, but him coming in three minutes after the opening tip kind of makes me believe that was sort of just a message being sent by Igor. But what was your read on that? And how was your read on his performance tonight as well? Because he's going to finish up with 11 points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block on five, 13 field goal attempts. Yeah, just really poorly handled. I mean, I don't know what happened. I tend to agree with you that I feel like it was um, just kind of a message, something to change things up in the starting lineup, send a message to Aiton, uh, try to just, you know, wring some life out of this team that, you know, you can't put exactly the same formula onto the court as you did on Tuesday when it looked so ugly 
And I think for us that that possibly could have been starting D'Anthony Melton, who didn't have a great performance of his own, but it ended up being Aiton and I'm, you know, and that, I think that's fine. I think that that's a reasonable thing to do. I mean, we saw it with Josh Jackson getting a DNP in December last year, or the same time, actually, if I remember correctly, after a rough stretch for him and um, poor play for the team. I think that stuff is reasonable, especially for a rookie, especially on a rebuilding team, just to send a message when you feel like one needs to be sent. But to try to call it an illness, which, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it had something to do with a physical situation whether it was being sick maybe he threw up I understand all that stuff what made it weird to me um, was at the beginning of the first half for the same exact thing to happen which is Holmes playing like three and a half minutes and then Aiton coming right back in and, and finishing out the stint with this with the starting four the other four starting players that's what made it completely confusing to me because it's like I get it maybe the guy had something going on right as at tip off and it was just okay we'll just get Holmes out there while Aiton sorts out his his situation and then he'll come back in and play but it would be a stretch for me to imagine that whatever happened then happened exactly the same way at the beginning of the second half so that's what made me realize like okay no this is probably just a message and why not just admit that yeah that's it was really confusing to me because like you said i don't know why you just come out and say we'll we'll find out here soon because the game just ended by the way the trailblazers won final score was 108 to 86 Gina Mazel from The Athletic, and I believe Dwayne Rank from the AZ Republic is there on site in Portland, so you might hear about why Igor did this with Aiden in a few minutes here while we're on the air. But let's just talk about Aiden real quick, Brendan, because I just looked over his past five games, he's averaging 10.8 points per game on pretty low efficiency, under 50, almost under 50%. So do you think Aiden over his past five is now – we're officially in that rookie wall stage for him? I mean, I don't know what to call it. I feel like, you know, you, you tend to think of that with guys who have a hot streak and then uh, can't can't get back to that level. Um, it's been a prolonged stretch of frustrating games for him, even when the team was playing pretty well for a while there for a couple weeks. It wasn't a result of his strong play by any means. And um, the defense looks – and maybe it's just uglier when the offense isn't going well, when he's not producing – as a scorer, when he's not getting inside, drawing fouls, getting offensive rebounds and and passing the ball well, like he was uh, during his best nights earlier in the year, maybe the defense just looks more glaring. It's harder to deal with. It certainly is for the team, but the defense looks, you know, just as lost as ever, if not worse, Yusuf Nurkic. um, There was several plays where Aiton was just nowhere to be seen protecting the rim, but even individually it's Nurkic an area where he should at least be able to kind of hold his own and, and play physically against other centers. Nurkic just had his way, got to, got to the rim and post up situations in the second half pretty easily. And um, just, I don't know what to call it. Maybe the rookie wall is, is the most generous thing at this point because something clearly is off with him five of 13. I mean, even knowing he's a rookie, even knowing of the, the developmental curve he was going to have to undergo, that's just even for his standard, very, very low. So um, I, I guess we just hope when the rest of the roster is healthy, that it goes away for him. Cause this is not looking good at all. Yeah. I, that's really kind of sad to watch because I don't know if he's in his head or not. It seems like he might be just because I don't know I can say all the pressure on him, but I think people were kind of naive in the first place to think DeAndre was going to turn this thing around with him being selected number one overall. It wasn't going to be an overnight process, and I think we're kind of seeing the results of that. And 
the overhyped expectations for DeAndre. I know, I mean, obviously number one pick and all, you have to have expectations like this, but it was going to be a superstar right off the bat. It's going to take a while. But is there anything else as far as DeAndre wanted to hit on? Because it seems like we've kind of hit him into the ground over the past few weeks as far as his play. No, not really. All right. So before we go on to our next player here, which will be Dragon Bender, surprisingly, and kind of an interesting rotation tweak there from Igor going with Bender over Anderson. Now we'll see that continues. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys about Locked On NBA Net, which is our Twitter account over there. And if you're not already following that, please make sure you're doing so. It's a valuable resource. Follow along with people like me, Brendan, David Locke, and the rest of the crew over there. All of our all of our Twitter accounts are synced onto that one Twitter account, Locked On NBA Net. So if you want to make sure you go hit that Twitter button right now at Locked On NBA Net, that'd be very much appreciated. So now let's go over Brendan here to Dragon Bender. But I know you have a before we go any further. I know we have a sponsor to go to as well. Yeah, I want to tell you guys quickly about Action Heat. It is our one of our new favorites as the the weather's cooling down and and we need different stuff to kind of mix it up, stay warm, um, take advantage of technology. This is a cool idea Action Heat came up with to keep you warm. Five volt lithium ion batteries that last up to twelve hours and can reach up to one hundred and thirty five degrees, engineered safely and put into their clothing. So they're heating panels similar to a heated car seat, just enough to warm you up, but obviously not dangerous. Perfect for any friend or family. Tons of new models, uh, new product lines. They provide toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body. So that's going to include jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like long johns or, or layer shirts. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe. There's men's and women's styles. And new models, like I said, new product lines for this winter season. So if you have any trips planned, go visit family in colder climates. Go up north of Phoenix for any point or just, you know, stay warm in Phoenix. It does get pretty cold with the dry heat down here, the dry cold as well. Um, Take advantage of it whatever way you want. And we have a deal for you to do that. All you're going to do is go to actionheat.com slash locked on. That's the name of this show. It's all one word as always and save 25, sorry, 20% off your entire order. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all your favorite outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. All right, yeah, let's move on to Bender because um, surprisingly, I mean, obviously TJ Warren is, is the starting four for this team, but with uh, the lead building to an insurmountable level so early, once again tonight, we saw a lot of Bender, 25 minutes. Yeah, with Bender, it just surprised me because if you look at, wow, I didn't even realize the plus minus there. I mean, the game was mostly out of hand when he had his minutes there, but plus two of plus minus there, which led the team tonight. And that's back-to-back. I know Bender didn't have quote-unquote solid game when he had those minutes on Tuesday, but at least he was out there communicating, doing stuff on defense. He was doing it tonight as well. He was actually being vocal out there defensively, calling out pick-and-roll coverages. He was 3-7 from the field, 1-4 on three, so he was shooting the ball. Still, at this point, we know we're getting a drug and bender. Brendan, it's just a guy who's going to be a three-point shooter. He might be crushing the boards from time to time, which he did the night, two offensive rebounds, but really nothing else is going to be added to his game at this point. But at least it seems like we're focusing more on Bender than that because he's a guy that's actually trying on the floor. 
Yeah, I mean, you can tell he's trying to take it seriously and, and try to earn more minutes. I mean, this is the kind of opportunity when the coach is obviously so desperate. I mean, Igor mentioned to us, um, which was was plain to see against the Kings on Tuesday, he's like, you know, I'm not at, at, at that point when it gets out of hand like that, you're not following a game script uh, from a rotation standpoint. And you're just trying to find stuff that works, find guys that are going to play hard together, that fit together, that are going to get you out of the hole that the starters dig. And I think Bender, you know, understands that we saw that with Melton, he was able to take advantage and earn himself a pretty good helping a minutes night 26, one of the tops on the team. So, you know, Bender, I don't think was at that level of course tonight. Didn't, didn't score as well. Didn't really impact the game on defense too much. um, All things considered, kind of a matchup for him with Myers Leonard, who's like one of the only guys in the league that consistently plays the four that's as tall and long as Bender. So it was a weird night for get the minutes with the matchup advantage, not there that he usually has. But um, I mean, do you think there's any chance when Warren comes back that he keeps playing? I kind of don't. I know. I don't think so. I think, I don't think he's done enough. If anything, if it's just like taking Ryan Anderson's spot, maybe he gets five to ten minutes per game, but that's only in blowout games, I imagine, because TJ needs minutes, and so do you guys like Mikhail and Josh and Ariza until he's eventually dealt. Yeah, I guess maybe it would be when Ariza's gone, but, I mean, did anything look different to you as far as Bridges goes? Or, I'm sorry, as far as Bender goes, just um, from his overall impact or anything? It kind of seems like it was, like you said, more of the same, really just floor spacing. There was one play where he kind of had the set to himself, the possession to himself to orchestrate from the elbow and, and the Blazers fouled off the ball on that play and it ended. He didn't even get to do anything with it, but kind of just the same guy we saw last year, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't really see much progression out of him. Unfortunately, there's nothing added to his game. Like we haven't really passing ability, which is kind of sad because that was one of his main strengths in the pre-draft process. But um, with Dragon, I think maybe, I think he's going to play tomorrow because I don't think TJ plays second night of back-to-back near with Devin Booker. So I think he might get a really good amount of run tomorrow as well. So I think we might be seeing more of Dragon Bender tomorrow night too. Yeah, the one thing I would add that looked slightly different, and it might have just honestly been because I haven't watched him play as much, obviously, since compared with last year. But the jumper looked like slightly different. I felt like his uh, his left hand was cocked out or his left arm was cocked out a little bit more. I, I don't know if it was just me, but it, I noticed it on at least two of the jumpers. Um, there was one from the left corner in transition and then another one, I think, from the opposite corner in a half-court situation where the jumper just looked a little bit different. Not as quick a release, but I'll have to watch for it if he does end up playing. I actually wonder, though, a little bit off topic, but related to whether Bender keeps in the rotation, is just... I mean, I feel, I mean, I know like typically you would say that they wouldn't play in the second half of back-to-back, but neither Warren didn't play today. So I think it, it actually seems like maybe he would be just as likely to to gear up for tomorrow's game, but it seems like both of them are definitely not a sure thing. Yeah, I, I think that's a really solid analysis there. I don't think neither are a sure thing. But um, with Bender, I think it's just a sad case overall just to encaps- like wrap this up with Bender because – the number four overall pick, he kind of encapsulated the 2016 draft that failed and kind of set this franchise back a year or so because of it. And now I really think, before we go any further, Brennan, before we go to our next player, let me ask you this. I imagine Bender's gone for this year. So 
where do you think do you think a stable organization like a Miami or a San Antonio or a Golden State takes a chance on him next year and do you think he'll do better and and anything other than Phoenix Suns colors? Yeah, I mean, I think someone will will take a chance. He's still really young, um, still has you know even just the ability to shoot. It is inconsistent. He doesn't take super difficult shots. He mostly just nails open catch and shoot threes, but. His skill set's still something you can build off of. Now, do I think he's in? Would I bet that he's in the league at age like twenty eight? Probably not at this point. But I think, I, I think teams would be silly to not give him at least a chance, two way contract or something next year, and just give themselves a chance to try to develop that skill set because it's the same reason we've we've all been so excited when it does flash here and there. Um, is just it's it's exactly kind of the right modern mix of skills for a big man if it, if it does end up clicking even if you get him to the point i think where he's a serviceable bench player if he can kind of rebound better play inside but all the stuff that we feel like at this point is probably never going to happen in phoenix i think that it would be pretty easy if you're a rival team to convince yourself of it because it is so just the the ceiling does still seem so high for him, knowing all those different skills he brings to the table. I mean, as for a team, I mean, the Spurs obviously come to mind. The Heat, I think, are actually a pretty interesting one, too, just because Kelly Olenek is somewhat of a similar player, probably what you would kind of hope Bender would have gotten to um, with some better defense. So the way they play definitely suits him. So that would be another option for sure. Anything else on Dragon you want to help before we go over to D'Anthony Milton? Uh, before we go to Melton, though, do want to tell you guys about the Locked On NBA show. Been shouting them out for a while. Obviously, kind of the the main thing on our network with some insight every Monday morning from the local experts on the biggest stories. So anything big from the past week, especially the past weekend, um, that's going to be John Lloyd of Fantasy Basketball interviewing, kind of talking through the biggest points with uh, team hosts like Evan and I, and then the week you got guys like sam amick of the athletic ben golliver newly of the washington post trevor booker former utah jazz player um as well as all your favorite hosts so definitely give them a subscribe rate review do all the great great stuff that you do for our show and support them make them part of your daily diet as well to keep track of all the league-wide news um i'm sure draft stuff will be coming up soon so definitely Check out Locked On NBA to stay up to date on all of the NBA news that you want. Okay, so what was your impression of Melton this time around with obviously not the shooting we saw the other night, but I think that's just going to be the reality for him. I don't think we can count on three or four from three or some of those nifty finishes he had on Tuesday. But overall, as far as feel, he I, I felt like the path was right there where it was the other night. Just have had a good, you know, drive and kick game going. Um, defensively, maybe a little impactful, but what was your on him tonight? Yeah, if you don't look at the box score on the left side as far as the field goal attempts go, he took 12 shots in 26 minutes, 0-4 and threes. I think D'Anthony is a guy who shouldn't be taking more than five shots per game with his specific skill set. He's a guy who's focusing more on being a creator and a defender. He finished with two steals, four assists, and five rebounds. So stuffing the stat sheet everywhere else. But with him, I think, like you said, there's <coughs> his defensive impact is something that is obvious. It passes the eye test. And when he's out there with Mikel Bridges, too, which I touched on yesterday's episode, those guys, that the length they combine together on the floor really makes it to cover up some mistakes that the defense usually makes in rotation. So 
Melton's a guy who I, I hope gets around the same minutes he's getting right now, around 20 to 25 minutes per game the rest of the season, if not starting a rally co if they don't make a trade for a point guard. And I, I might as well ask you this, Brendan, and I know it's a little off topic here. I'll, I'll let you do your Melton response and also answer this question, but do you think there's at four and 21, do you think there's any point for the Suns to acquire a starting caliber point guard if there's going to maybe win 20 games a season, just roll out with a Kobo and Melton? Yeah, I still think so. I, for all the same reasons as before, I think, you know, there's guys on this team that need um, somebody to set the table for them to, to grow as players, to really be properly um set up to to grow their skill set there's a lot of dependent talents on this team including the ones that we're excited about i mean both of the rookies i think clearly qualify as that type of player they're not going to create shots we saw that a ton with ayton today taking mid-range jumpers overly reliant on that shot when he needs to get a bucket when this team is kind of leaning on him he doesn't have that back to the basket game really right now at all so he needs guys who are going to get him the ball in space to take that jumper to drive to the rim Bridges, you know, three threes and cuts and transition points. That all is going to need to be somebody else getting him the ball. He had the, you know, kind of crazy pull up three out of nowhere at the top of the key today. That's not going to happen consistently. So um, I think Melton's probably the guy I'm most intrigued by right now that he's finally getting minutes. And, you know, Kobo continues to be very up and down, fouled out of tonight's game and um, just really one of his worst performances, several traveling violations, I'd say two or three from what I remember. Um, so I, I just think it's, it's holding the rest of the roster back to not get somebody in that spot. Now I think Melton should continue to get a lot of minutes. I think Kobo should probably get a little less, but you also have guys like Jamal Crawford who could easily lose some minutes and you're not really losing anything. Josh Jackson, the same way, you know, you're going to need to ride him out and see what his, playmaking looks like night to night before you know kind of what kind of game it's going to be for him. That's just the reality. So there's still plenty of minutes to go around for somebody. And I think, you know, ultimately all along the the goal has been to get a guy who can stay with this team long-term, somebody who can either resign this summer with an advantage of restricted free agency or just bird rights or um, somebody who's under contract for multiple seasons. So I, I haven't wavered there, but um, I, I do see the the point. I mean, you definitely don't want to overpay the the idea of like a Kemba Walker or any of that stuff that we were wondering about early on in the year or before the year. That's probably out the window for now. One more point on Mel, I wanted to ask you, and it relates to Devin Booker. When he gets back in the lineup, whenever that may be, we still have no timetable yet from the Suns. How intrigued are you to see Melt next to Booker? Because I am really intrigued with the way Mel's been playing. Yeah, I mean, I, we've said all along how perfect a fit he is. That was our initial reaction when they traded Brandon Knight to get him, traded Marquise Chris over to the Rockets to grab Melton. Um, and I think that's still really intriguing to me, especially seeing what Melton's been able to do without much talent around him the past few nights to still kind of make an impact on the game and um, do the stuff that was so exciting about him, made him so exciting as a prospect, whether that, you know, playmaking on offense, kind of just the feel for the game overall, and then some playmaking, you know, just game-changing types of defensive plays. You know, they didn't change the game because they blew it in the first quarter, so maybe game-changing is not the right word. Just a super intriguing talent and a guy that is really tailor-made for for playing next to Booker. So, I like I said, I, I do think he should continue to play more and maybe even start the next game because Akobo was so bad today. Um, and then hopefully that does get him 
in rhythm and kind of get a little momentum behind him as far as the just pace of the season goes by the time Booker does return and maybe those guys can play together quite a bit. I know as far as today's game goes again, it was 108-86, the final score. The Trailblazers beat the Suns in Portland. The Suns are now 4-21 in the season, 1-12 on the road. Before we go, Brendan, I just wanted to see if you had any more thoughts on today's game because we saw not only Josh Jackson put up 14 points, but he took four, 14 shots to get there, and he also had five turnovers. And also Trevor Reza looked like he was just coasting along there, didn't want to be there anymore. So, And we also had that Mikhail Bridges, Igor little incident, not incident, but like Mike Vigil of the Timeline Podcast had a capture on his Twitter account of Igor and Mikhail kind of talking back and forth. Who knows what they were talking about? But it seemed like Igor was a little frustrated with something. But anything else you want to hit on as far as those guys go or the three guys we talked about? No, I mean, quickly on Bridges, just before we go, I, yeah, it's, it's tough to know exactly where that came from. It was right after Bridges fouled Lillard um, on a three, and the game was well out of hand at that point. Mikhail was frustrated with the foul. Obviously, Igor was frustrated with giving up that foul, and it, they're already losing by 20, 25 points. So I don't want people to read too much into that, and I hope that no one is, but you know, I think the the clear takeaway from something like that is the frustration is is right there, bubbling at the surface. And how could it not be after two just completely lackluster performances? So the Suns do get to come home tomorrow night, and that will hopefully help their fortunes a little bit. A worse team too than either of their past two, uh, Sacramento and Portland. Miami is is really struggling right now as well. So you might be able to be a little bit more competitive, try to grab a win, but. Not if they keep playing like they have. So um, did want to quickly say, though, we aren't going to do our normal uh, recap episode tomorrow because I won't be at the game. And the way the last two have gone, it doesn't necessarily seem like it will be super competitive. We want to give you guys stuff that is actually important. So Evan and I will both be on on site on Sunday for the Gonzaga, Tennessee game, scouting some of the prospects there from Rui Hachimura to... Brandon Clark to Admiral Schofield. So check us out. Look for us on Sunday and we will be talking college basketball.